Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I am the Lord. And it's like here Jesus is saying, don't go to them. Don't go to that. Don't go to her. No, me. (laughs) Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching a special series related to the global coronavirus pandemic. It's very tempting during times of trial and hardship to turn to the world and feed the flesh. Instant gratification is what the world claims to offer, but in the end, the fruit of that kind of behavior is always destruction. Today, Pastor J.D. will be encouraging you to get your satisfaction completely from the Lord and to seek His face. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 27, as he begins his message, Do Not Lose Heart. I want to talk with you about not becoming weary and losing heart at a time when everything seems so dire and so hopeless and there just doesn't seem that there's any end in sight, even with the talk of opening back up the economy here in America. Here we are in the midst of an unprecedented global crisis, the likes of which we've never seen before. But God is allowing it as only He can and using it in ways that we could have never imagined. However, and this is what I want to talk about, the problem is with each passing day, this crisis is taking a toll on people. It's taking a toll emotionally, physically, mentally, and for some, even spiritually. I want to begin with a passage of Scripture that God has used in my life over the years during some very difficult and dark times. And for me, it's been a lifeline, as it were, and it's in Psalm 27. It's a Psalm of David. It's really one of my favorite Psalms, and it's the last two verses in the Psalm, Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. And clearly, David is experiencing a situation with what is coming against him, and it is so stressful, it is so difficult, and he's coming to this place where he's just, I mean, the bottom has fallen out, and he's just about to give up hope. And listen to what he says in Psalm 27, starting in verse 13. He says, I would have lost heart, I came so close, unless I had believed 
that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, he's saying that he had just come to this place where it just, it looked like this is it. (laughs) This is how it ends. I'll never know joy on the other side of this. I'll never smile again. I'll never laugh again. And he says, I just, I, I came so close and I would have given up and lost heart. But it was because I remained confident of this one truth. And that truth is, and I believed it with all of my heart, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What does the land of the living mean? The land of the living means this side of heaven, this side of glory. In other words, what David is saying here is that he would have lost heart had it not been for this truth, that this side of heaven he would see the goodness of the Lord even in this. It's really almost as if he's saying to himself, though Paul had yet to pen by the Holy Spirit the letter to the church in Rome, and Romans 8.28, but it was almost like David was saying, Romans 8.28 still applies to me, that God works all things together for the good to those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. That still applies to me. I know this is bad, but as bad as this is, it will not have the final word on how good God is. So he says, I would have lost heart had it not been for that belief, that faith, that trust, that I would see God's goodness even in this, even in the midst of this. And then verse 14, he says this, listen to this. It's almost like he's talking to himself. That's different than self-talk. It's more like having a talk with self It's kind of like what he did in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, which many believe were actually one psalm, one song, where he's actually talking to his own soul. He's having a a talk with himself, and he's saying to himself, why are you so downcast? Why are you such in despair, O my soul? Don't you know that you will have reason to yet again praise the Lord? There is joy on the other side of this. You're going to see the goodness of the Lord on the other side of this. I know it looks bad now. He's talking to himself. He's encouraging himself in the Lord. I think about when he returns with his men to Ziklag, only to find that all of their wives and their families, their children had all been taken, and everything was burned to the ground. And even David's men, these loyal men that had been with him for so long, through thick and thin, they were turning on him, and they wanted to kill him. And they were told in the narrative, they, they, these are hardened warriors that they just broke down and wept bitterly. I mean, the bottom had fallen out. And David is at his wit's end, and we're told that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I've always 
wondered what that looked like and what that meant and what what exactly was it that he did to encourage himself in the Lord. And I think what he did is what he's saying here in verse 14. He's talking to himself, his reminding self that no matter how bad it is, it cannot change how good God is. And then he says, verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. And then he says it a second time, wait, I say, on the Lord. You know that saying we have, (laughs) just wait, you'll see. Just wait, you'll see. Well, that's what David is saying here. Just wait, you'll see God's goodness in something as catastrophic and terrifying. And make no mistake about it, this is very scary. What is happening in our world today. But the key is wait on the Lord. Wait for the Lord. You be of good courage. Be encouraged. The Lord will strengthen your heart. Just wait, you'll see. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. A verse I'm sure familiar to many. The Apostle Paul is writing to the churches in the region known at that time as Galatia, and by the Spirit writes in verse 9 of chapter 6, let us not grow weary while doing good. And here's why. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, there's a common denominator with these two scriptures, and really the many others like them, and it's that they come packaged with a prerequisite of sorts, namely that of waiting for the Lord. Wait on the Lord. That's the problem. It's been said that faith, the hardest part of walking by faith is waiting is waiting for the Lord to act. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred, hang on to that word deferred, delayed, implying wait. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You'll Forgive what may seem to be an oversimplification, but the way to not be weary and lose heart is to turn to the Lord, wait on the Lord, and rest in the Lord. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, Verse 28, come to me, come to me. You know, one of the things when you're, you're reading scripture, 
that you really need for the Holy Spirit to help you with is to kind of take note of the emphasis of what's being said, because we we have the written Word of God. Here's an example in the Old Testament. Uh, You'll find replete throughout the Old Testament, particularly as it relates to the Israelites when they would become hard-hearted and stiff-necked in their rebellion. God would declare, I am the Lord thy God. And I've always thought to myself that the emphasis was not so much on, I am the Lord thy God. It wasn't even so much on, I am the Lord thy God. I think the emphasis was on, I am the Lord your God. (laughs) I am. I am the Lord. And it's like here Jesus is saying, don't go to them. Don't go to that. Don't go to her. No, me. (laughs) Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, this is interesting. I was thinking about this this last week. I mean, our lives have, for all intents and purposes, been turned upside down, and uh, we find ourselves with more time on our hands, and it's kind of interesting. It's almost like the Lord took away everything and almost, it, but, but gently so. That's one thing about the way the Lord, He's the Good Shepherd. He's, he's not harsh. He's not mean-spirited. He's gentle. He's humble. He's meek. He's loving. He's kind. He's patient. He's all of those things. And it's almost like the Lord saying, you know, now that I've, I've got your attention and and you know, now you don't have any excuses. I mean, can, can we just spend some time together? You know, I, I kind of miss that intimacy that we had, the, the times that we had together. And when life was good and you were busy and you were going to and fro, busy about many things, you just, you didn't have the time. And I just have fond memories of those times that we had together, and, and now maybe we can have those times together again. Come to me. Sit with me. Commune with me. I oftentimes think about the account we have of those two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they have Jesus over for dinner in their home, and Martha's all stressed out, and she's in the kitchen, and she's angry. She's fuming. She's seething because her sister, Mary, is sitting, doing nothing at the feet of Jesus. And Martha, and by the way, bless her heart. (laughs) You think we're too hard on Martha. Truth be known, there's a lot more Marthas than there are Marys if we're honest with ourselves. 
So she is so angry that she, I mean, she actually is rebuking Jesus. And she says to Jesus, Jesus, how can you just let her sit there and do nothing? Tell her to get in the kitchen with me. we got a lot of work to do. And I never imagine the Savior having any kind of a scowl on his face or a scorn in his voice. I, I just imagine him with just such compassion and even pity. <laughs> like, Martha, I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're so stressed out about so many things. I mean, it, it's not a bad thing. It's just that Mary has chosen the better thing. You know, you're always going to have the kitchen. You're always going to have the work. You're always going to have the busyness of life, but you're not always going to have me here with you in this time that we can be together. I know I've said this before, and I'll say it again in a different context. I, and I hope I'm not misunderstood when I say it. I hope you know my heart when I say it, but I just, I thank God in many ways for allowing this coronavirus pandemic. And He did allow it. And He allowed it because much good can come from it. And I truly believe that much good is even now coming from it. And here's the thing, we will not see (laughs) until we're in heaven, And I'm thinking about our Chinese brothers and sisters, even now as we speak, especially with some of the breaking news and the recent reports about this virus and the origination. And I think about how many brothers and sisters in Christ that we have in China. I wonder in China, how many of the Chinese people have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of this crisis? Let's talk about Iran. We talk about Iran a lot in our prophecy updates, but I wonder, we already knew prior that many of the Iranian people, truth be known, they would rather not be called Iranians, they would rather be called by their ancient name Persians, I I would venture to say that many of the Persian people in modern-day Iran today have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of this. Because of this. How many people have come to the Lord because of this? I just, these three words here in verse 28 of Matthew 11. I mean, you could just stop right there. Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. Turn to me. Trust in me. Wait for me. Just wait. You'll see. You have no idea what I'm doing. You have no idea what I'm going to do. Isaiah 40, again, another passage, doubtless familiar to many. I want to read verses 28 through 31. I know this will be an encouragement to you. I know it's been a tremendous encouragement 
to me and my walk with the Lord. But Isaiah, by the Holy Spirit, writes sort of these rhetorical questions. He begins with two of them in verse 28. He says and asks, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. I'm so glad he he penned those words that way. Because it's a much needed reminder that we're talking about the God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. What was your problem again? That's a, that's a big God. Yeah, but I've got a big problem. Yeah, but your God is bigger than your big problem. And the problem with your big problem is, is that you're looking at your big problem and you're not looking at your big God. And the more you look at the big problem, the smaller your big God becomes. It works both ways. Conversely, the more you look to your God, this creator who created, the creator of the ends of the earth, What do we know about him? Well, Isaiah says, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. I think about the Apostle Paul boasting in his weakness, because when he said, I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Because in and of myself, I am nothing. Apart from Jesus, I can do no thing. I am the weak. Well, He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. I love verse 30. This is, you know, especially when you start getting up there in the years, and you're older in age, And then there's these young whippersnappers, and they just think they're so invincible. I wish I had the energy that I had when I was in my 20s. But Isaiah says, even the youths shall faint and be weary, weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but. Ah, that verse 31 changes everything. But those who, here it is, wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor J.D. at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. 
Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor J.D. and our church staff in your prayers, asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 